What a wonderful meal. I want to thank you for that. Nothing like stuffing the preacher and then making him get up here and talk. Full stomach. But it was great. Enjoyed it very much. Enjoyed the weekend, all the fellowship. Uh, great to spend a little time uh, with, with Brent. Uh, he and I have been good friends a long time. But it's also good to be here and, and be a part of this weekend. And thank you for that. May God bless you. So... I've been blessed to do my dream job, which was to work in evangelism, and, and I've done that a little over 25 years, and I feel so blessed, and I'm so thankful, uh, and I've been blessed to see a lot of different things, and if I'm very honest with you, which I need to be honest, I want to be honest, uh, I go to churches that are dying, just dying. And I go to congregations and I look at those congregations and I think, in five years, they won't be here. And I think to myself, what can I do to help these congregations to turn around? I go to congregations that are thriving. And I go to congregations where I don't have to worry about the future and what's going on. I see congregations that are killing it. And it brings great joy to my heart to see that. Uh, and I want to talk to you tonight about a thriving congregation. In the book of Acts, chapter 9, verse 31, the Bible says, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria. And this is kind of after this wave of persecution had ceased that we talked about briefly this morning from Acts chapter 8 from Saul of Tarsus. The churches had rest throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. What does that mean? Does, does that mean there was one more Christian or two more Christians? Or does that mean there were many more Christians? Multiplied means exactly what we think it means. They, they were growing and they were growing rapidly. They were growing abundantly. And this was what was happening within the church. I want to ask you a question. Is that happening here? Are you thriving? Are you dying? Are you somewhere in between? You know, I, I don't know. I'm not here day in and day out. I hear things about La Prada from time to time. I, I hear mostly good things. I don't hear about uh, a war amongst you or amongst your leadership or some terrible thing. I don't hear a lot, and that's okay. You probably don't hear a lot about Wheeler. I want to notice another teaching of our Lord. He says in Matthew 13, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like... You know, Jesus said that a lot. The kingdom of heaven is like... And then he made a comparison. He taught a parable. And here he says, A grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs, and becometh the tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. What, what does that mean when he describes a tiny little seed like a mustard seed and it grows, it sprouts, and then ultimately it becomes a tree? Well, he's describing the kingdom of God growing, isn't he? Rapidly growing and spreading and not being just one tiny little thing, one tiny little spot or one person, not just one congregation, but congregation after congregation, I think what he's describing is the kingdom of heaven, the church filling the whole earth and growing into the whole earth. I think that's the idea here. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. 
Luke 8 and verse 8, he says, Other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. What is a hundredfold? Let me ask you a question. Have you produced fruit? Do you produce fruit in your life? Have you produced a hundredfold? Or, or 50 or 30? Have, have you produced threefold? Or have you just gone backwards? I'm talking about individually. He describes the nature of the church to us. And I believe it is God's will for churches to thrive. It is not God's will for churches to die. But I'll tell you, God's not going to make a church stay thriving, make it go. God's not going to force us to do that. God could have made us all robots and then we just went and did he didn't do that. We're free more agents. We do what we want to do. I'm going to tell you, there's very few times I do things that I do not want to do. My wife might tell you I'm stubborn. I don't think that's true. My children are stubborn. My parents are stubborn. I think it skipped a generation with me. We do what we want, most generally. What makes churches thrive? In the book of Acts 16, verse 4, as they went through the cities... They delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. We talked about the fact that these congregations had been through a lot. And we talked about Saul making havoc of the church. But these folks, they taught the word of God. That's the decrees for to keep. They delivered them and they taught them. And people embraced those teachings. They embraced the words of the apostles. They embraced the words of the Lord. Not only did they hear them, they kept them. They were obedient to the word of the Lord. What makes churches thrive? I believe it's essentially two things. I believe in being simple. I'm a simple person. Two things. Godly leadership, good leadership, and highly active members. If you want the simplest thing, I believe that's it. Godly leadership and highly active members. Ephesians 4 has become one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Now you need to take this passage and you need to memorize it. Tattoo it on your hand. Wear it as frontlets between your eyes as the Scripture goes. He himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles. Do we have apostles today? No, we do not. You had to see the resurrection Christ to be an apostle. We do not have them today. Some prophets. Do we have prophets today? No, we do not. Those things came to an end when the Bible was fully delivered to us. Some evangelists, do we have that? Yes, we do. And some pastors. And what is the meaning of the word pastor here? Because it's been changed in the modern time. It means a shepherd or an overseer. What he's describing here is an elder. Evangelists, elders, and teachers. God gave evangelists, elders, and teachers for what? The equipping of the saints. What does that mean? To train, to equip, to help people to learn how to do. For the equipping of the saints, for what? He says, for the work of the ministry. 
And I'm going to tell you, we have a fundamental problem in America, and it's in many of the churches. And people have this concept and this idea that I want to go to a church to be served. Help me. I need a church with a good youth program, so help me. I need a church with good teaching. Now, I'm not willing to get up and teach. I won't take the time to do the studying, but I need a church with good teaching. Teach me. I need a church with a lot of outreach and a lot of things going on. No, I don't want to do the outreach. Teach me. Help me. Do it for me. Well, that's exactly the opposite of what we find about the church in Scripture. And the idea here is we need leaders to actively train the members of the church to do the work of the church. That's what makes churches thrive. Is people putting in the effort. So we have Ephesians 4, which is a chapter all about unity. If you go up and read the chapter and look at the chapter, he talks about unity. And then he moves into here, this part about equipping. And I want to go down to verse 16. I hate to skip around a whole lot. But I want you to notice what he says. From whom the whole body, the whole church, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It's a really wordy one. King James is really wordy on this one. It's okay. He says, effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body. Each person contributes to the production of the whole. He's, he's saying, if you work and you put in the effort that every person supplies something that's vital and it's important, and every person that's a part of this congregation needs to help, needs to produce, needs to add something. For what? Growth. Growth. Now, I, I go to churches all the time, and people say, well, I, there's, nothing I can, there's nothing I can do. I can't, I can't do anything. Uh, not true. Abjectly not true. Not even a Christian way of thinking. Well, what can I do? I'm not an elder. I'm not, I'm not an evangelist. What, what can I do? Plenty to do. So I want to tell you a story about a lady. Me and Jim Hayes, working with a congregation, we go up to this lady's house. She's a member of the church. We knock on her door. She come in. Open the door. I take a step in and she says, Don't touch me. And I go, okay. <laughs> I generally don't tackle people as soon as I walk in the door. She says, I have an autoimmune disease, and anything that touches me bruises me, and I bleed under my skin. And I go, okay. Sit down and have this visit with this lady, this sister in Christ. She can't walk. She can't go to church. She can't get a hug. She wears these white gloves all the time trying to protect herself. She never leaves the house. And I visit with Sister Betty and feel like a worm. I am so blessed. And in this discussion, she says, you know what I do? I go, what? She says, I pray. She said, I can pray, and I pray every day. I pray all the time. And if I know anyone who needs prayer, I pray 
for those people. And I said, I tell you what, you and me is going to form a coalition of prayer. And I'm going to text you names of people to pray for. And she was a, a soldier of the cross. And I'm going to tell you something, she never went to church. Now, I'm not here today to say you don't have to go to church. I think you need to go to church. I think it's very important, so don't misunderstand me. I think she had a very unique situation. She did what she could do to help the church to grow, and all she could do pretty much was pray. She passed away last year. Sweet lady. We need each other, and we need to work together for churches to thrive. For a church to thrive, no one can be idle. Every person is critical. It doesn't matter if you're 100 years old and a widow lady. You're critical. It doesn't matter if you're 12 or 13 years old or 5 years old. You are critical to a church thriving. No Christian is useless. And for a church to thrive, we must all contribute. And here's the truth. If someone's not doing their share, only two things really can happen. If someone's not doing what they ought to be doing. One, somebody's overworked because somebody's got to pick up your slack. Or two, the production will be limited. There's no other way for it to be. We need everyone doing what they do. And we all got talents and abilities. And they're different. We all got different backgrounds. We have different perspectives, perspectives and points of view. And we need it all. We need the talents that you bring to table. And we need you to embrace what you are and who you are and use those talents and abilities for the kingdom of God. Churches thrive when memberships and leaderships embrace the work of ministry and work hard. About 10 or 15 years ago, I got to, on my travels, people would come up and say, tell us what we can do to make our church grow. And I would go, well, you know, what are you doing, or what's going on, or this kind of thing. And uh, another person would come up and ask, and we'd have this discussion, and I finally realized people were wanting a magic pill. And people thought a lot of different things were the magic pill. People thought Facebook was the magic pill. If we just got Facebook and put our church on Facebook, our church would grow. Well, no, it, it might help. It certainly would help to have a digital footprint of some kind, certainly. It's not going to just turn the tide. And people were wanting a magic pill, and I would say there's no magic pill. I cannot give you some magical thing that's, if you do this, people over the years say, location, location, location. Now, part of it's true. You do need a good location. It's not everything. I had a fellow tell me one time, he said, I don't know why you live in Wheeler County. You need to move to Dallas. I said, why would I move to Dallas? He said, there's 17 billion, trillion, quadrillion people live in Dallas. And I go, yeah, I know. That's why I don't want to live in Dallas. <laughs> he said, how many people live in Wheeler County? I said, I don't know. At four or 5,000? He said, you need to move to Dallas. I said, listen, I know a congregation in Flowmont, Texas, 60 people. There's a town of 50 and there's a congregation of 60. All these things 
we think about them and we look at them and there's no magic pill. And I will tell you today, there's no magic pill. It's work. For a church to thrive, it takes work. It takes dedication. It takes good leadership and active people. And that's just the bottom line. So if you're here today and you don't know what to do, you need to go to your elders and say, what can I do? Say, what is my talent? Where can I fit in? Help me be active. And go to your elders and get active. What makes your churches thrive? I want to talk to you about a church that we read about at Rome in Romans 16. I want you to turn and read just a few passages here with me about the church at Rome. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Chinchria. What does this tell us? What do you know about Phoebe? I don't know much. Got a cool name. About all I know. She was a servant to the church. What did she do for the church? Anything that came to hand, evidently. Whatever was a need, she was there to serve. I want this church to thrive. That seems to be her attitude. Notice verse 2. That you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints. That you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succorer of many, of myself also. She was a woman who comforted people. I believe that's what the word sucker means, to comfort and care for. This woman dedicated herself to the church. I'm going to serve the church. I'm going to help the church. I'm going to help you and care for you. And she dedicated herself evidently to that. That's Phoebe. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. We've read about Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 19. They were pretty brave because Apollos the preacher come and preached, but all he knew was the baptism of John. And Aquila and Priscilla were pretty bold because they said, Hey, preacher, we've got to talk to you. We need to sit down and talk. And they taught him about Jesus. And we need people like that. Every day, ordinary you don't got to be an evangelist. You don't got to be an elder. Go talk the scriptures. Say, my friend, I need to talk to you. That was the kind of people that these people were. Notice verse 4. Who have, lay, have for my life laid down their own necks. Oh, they love the Apostle Paul. They were sacrificial type of people unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house Salute my well-beloved Epaphanatus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Don't know much about Epaphanatus. Oh, he was well-known and well-loved. I suppose he was probably loved for what he did. People are generally loved or hated for what they do. Now, my grandson's loved for just being my grandson, right? But in time, people are loved or hated for what they do, and this was Epaphanatus. Verse 6 and it again. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. I want to tell you something I got to notice when I got to reading these passages of scriptures. A lot of women. Women highly involved. Women dedicating their life and their time to the work of the church. What kind of labor did she bestow? I don't know, but it's a lot. Church worker. And I guess if we were to walk up and look at her tombstone, it would fittingly say, hard working woman. Work for the church to help the church and us. This was supporting in nature, I suppose. Verse 7, salute Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners. These folks went to jail. Served time with Paul. 
Well, these folks were outstanding. They didn't cave. They didn't flee. They served their time. He goes on to say, who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. These were longtime Christians. Verse 8 and 9, greet Amphilus, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. And Statius, my beloved. All these people, well-loved and workers, highly involved. Can I just tell you something? Honestly, the church at Wheeler, we've got about 95 or 100 members. We've got a core group of 30, the core. And they do everything, those 30. And we've tried hard to grow our core. If you're here today and you're not part of the core of the church here at La Prada, move into the core. Get busy. Seek opportunities to serve and to help. And get involved. Get involved. Verse 10. Salute Apellus approved in Christ. Salute them which are of our Istabulus household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. I, I don't know all these people. You don't know all these people. We read them and they're just a name. But I want you to know they're more than a name. They were brethren at a church. They labored and they worked. They cared about the church. They came to church early and they stayed late. Some of these folks took out the trash. Some of them folks on, on this list would have taken care of the sound room. Some of them would have taken care of the baptistry. Some of them they were out on the street meeting people and inviting people and bringing them to church. Some were doing Bible studies and the work of the church. Some were working to do counseling with people who were troubled and had problems. These are people who were the church just like you. We can read down through this and just change the names to your names. <clears throat> Verse 13, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute us in Cretus, Philegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Who was working? The elders? The deacons? No one? No. The church. The church was working. And the more members that work, the more a church will thrive. The more you get involved, the better your church will be. The more effort you put to it, the better and better it will go. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered. Now listen carefully. God gave the increase. If we'll just do the work, God will bless our work. If we'll put in the effort, God will bless our effort. Now, it comes on God's time. Did you ever notice the nature of God's work and of our work is totally different? God does one thing and we do another, but we both have the same thing in mind, which is growth. The realm of God's contribution in the growth of a tree is totally different from that of a person who plants it. I planted a tree last year. 
Jerry Lowry gave me a pine tree. I planted it in the yard and I watered it and watered it. That was my job. That was all I could do to contribute. Plant it, water it, fertilize it. I forgot to do that. It died. My tree died. It's West Texas. It's not a tree area. You know what? God does one thing and I do another. The person who planted it cannot cause the sap to rise or the tree to bud or the leaves to form, much less produce fruit. God does that. God blesses our work if we put in the effort. Plant and water. Maybe it's, it's too simple, but it's our work. Plant and water. And if we do the work of the church and we aggressively do the work of church and we all get together and we strive together, our church will thrive. You want to know why churches fail and die? Because people are not dedicated. They're not. They don't study their Bibles. They don't come and attend services. They don't talk to anyone. I I can write you a recipe for killing church. What makes people plant and water? I believe the answer is love. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, thy neighbor as thyself. What, why do all this work? Because we love God. We love people. I love people. I love you. I want you to go to heaven. I do not want you to go to hell. If you need help, I, my friend, I will help you. I will come here and help you. I will drive from Wheeler County and I will help you because I want you to go to heaven. I want to tell you, Betty Kraling loved people, and she wanted people to go to heaven. And all she could do was pray, so that's what she did. Whatever you can do, do it to help people to go to heaven. Matthew chapter 6, he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is your treasure in the church? I'll tell you, I see all kinds of people. They got treasure in all kind of different things. And T-ball and stock shows and money and possessions and cars and all. You know, you see it all too. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6 verse 19. Lay up not for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. What makes people plant and water? Having a treasure in heaven. Having a care for people. Having a love for people, that's what does it. Acts 28, verse 23, he says, And when they had appointed him a day, now this is Paul, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. What's he doing? Paul's doing Bible studies. How did he meet these people? No idea. I suppose he went to the Walmart and met them. I don't know. Met him at the grocery store, at work, or wherever it was. I don't know. As Paul was a common man, he met people. He said to somebody, you want to do a Bible study? I'll guarantee you, some people said no. And other people said yes. And so Paul said today, he makes an appointment. Come into my home, let's do Bible study. Notice what he goes on to say. There, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testify the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning till evening. They studied Bible all day. Notice what happened. Some believed the things which were spoken. Some believed not. What happened? 
He invited people to his home. He opened the book. He studied with them. Some people believed. What do you think happened to the people that would believe? Paul took them out and baptized them. They became a part of the church. They became a part of the workforce. Some people didn't believe. Some people rejected. You know what? Paul, no, no, no doubt it broke his heart. He kept going. He set up more Bible studies. He invited more people into his home. Repeat, repeat, repeat. That's what he did. He taught other people and he equipped the church to do the same. Titus 2 and 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good work. The word peculiar here essentially means a purchased people. We are bought with the blood of Jesus. I had a fellow tell me one time, we've got to be weird. I said, brother, we don't have to be weirdos. We are a peculiar treasure, a special treasure to Jesus, a purchased people. Zealous of good works is the idea. Jesus gave himself for us that we can especially be his people, zealous of doing good. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 2, verse 18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Now that's the introduction to in eighteen nineteen. And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. This is the same way of saying what we read in, in Ephesians four sixteen. You work together. You strive together as a church. The more of you that work to plant and water, the more you'll thrive. I want to plant a seed today. A seed. What if every person here brings somebody to this church in the next year, in this year, 2023? Everyone brings one person. How many people go to church here? Sean, how many people worship here? 140. Every person brings one person. So what do we got? Zach, what do we got? Were you a math major? Uh, you're on... Uh, you're, oh. 140. We doubled that in one year. What do we got? 280. Do you need a new building? Yep. You got 280, you need a new building. In one year. Now, can we all bring somebody? I don't know. I don't know. Just think about it. If we all go and we make a goal, I'm going to bring one person. And half of us do. That's another 70 people. 70. We all set the goal, we're going to all bring one person. And just a quarter of us do it. 35 people. 35 souls. How many future elders do you think would be in that 35? How many more teachers how many people who are going to encourage you and help you and walk the Christian walk? Is it going to be work? You bet. It's going to be work. I'm going to tell you, it takes work for a church to thrive. It doesn't take nothing at all for a church to die. It just takes people not caring, not being dedicated. Be more dedicated to the world and to the job and to all those things. I know we all got to, we all got to make a living. Don't get me wrong. We all got to pay the bills. We all got the same hours in a day. We need to dedicate ourselves to the work of the church. It's work. 
you elders and you deacons, you teachers of this congregation, equip the saints to do this work and encourage them to embrace this work and churches will thrive, thrive. And that's what the Lord wants. That's what the Lord wants. The service is yours. The sermon's yours this afternoon. Thank you for your time. I'm not going to just say amen and run, jump in the truck and go home. If, if there's something you need, if we can be of help to you, I want to be of help to you. Uh, that being said, we have an invitation song. And you know when the preacher puts up the Bible and gets out the songbook, you know the drill. Well, I'll tell you, it's not an empty or hollow invitation. It's an opportunity to change your life. If you've not been dedicated to the church, change that. If you've not been working for the church, if you've not been using your talents, get up and change that today. If you need help in that, well, come forward, get the help. If you don't know what to do, go to your elders. If you feel like you're lacking in ability, ask them to train you and teach you. They will. They will. So I'm going to tell you, the more the church thrives, the more people are going to go to heaven. And God will bless our efforts. He's proved that. He will bless our efforts. So if we can help you today, come as we sing. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's day.